Hey, all of you beautiful, amazing souls. Welcome to Soul Diaries, Find Your Inner Serenity podcast. I'm your host, Irvi Shaw, founder of Inner Serenity Life Coaching. I'm a spiritual and love coach focused on helping women align with their higher self to create joy, love, and abundance in their lives. The true intent of this podcast is for me to share my spiritual journey and soul's messages with you, hence the name Soul Diaries. This podcast will focus on how you can use spirituality to help you live a more balanced life filled with joy and ease. Throughout the journey of this podcast, we will discover various topics on spirituality coupled with my experiences. If you are wondering how you can start living a happier, balanced life, follow along this journey with me. Hey, beautiful souls. Welcome to another episode of Soul Diaries, Discover Your Inner Serenity. I am here with Mauni, who's going to be sharing her powerful story, her narrative of of domestic violence and how she went on a healing journey with it. Mauni, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, My name is Mauni. And I'm just a little background. I'm 26 years old. I was born and raised in Richmond, Virginia. And I um, I have gone through something that a lot of people um, probably don't really talk about out in the open. Um, and so that's why I kind of wanted to come on here and share my story just so that other people that are listening may not feel as alone. Um, I know that I certainly did when I was going through all of this and it was something that was never talked about with me or I just didn't know where to go for resources. So I definitely wish that I had that opportunity to reach out to someone. Um, So yeah, would say that I guess a few years ago, um, about three years ago, I was in a relationship with someone who I met in my final year of undergrad um, and we dated in total for about two and a half years. Um, When we started dating, it was amazing. He was to me very perfect, um, was very kind, showed a lot of love. He was very specific about what he wanted out of a relationship. And these were all things that I wasn't used to, especially with my previous partners. It was always, I don't want to say immature, but it was definitely, they were definitely relationships that you kind of see in your early 20s when neither person really knows what they're doing and what's going on. So my next partner who I dated um, was a bit older than I was, and he was at a point in his life where he was starting to settle down and that's what I really liked about him that he kind of knew what he was doing he seemed really sure of himself and had a pretty stable life Um, and that's what initially attracted me to him not only that it was the fact that he was able to show his emotions really well and he was able to communicate and He was very affectionate with me, which is something that I hadn't experienced in other relationships before. So that was also something that drew me to him. Um, Looking back now, I can see that that was most definitely love bombing, which is something that I had no idea about um, 
when I first got into that relationship. I actually didn't even know what love bombing was until I got out of that relationship and started my own healing process. But it's something that's becoming more and more well-known, which is something that I'm very grateful for. Um, so love bombing is when a partner goes above and beyond to show you affection. They do all of these romantic things for you just so that they can kind of lock you down quickly or make their flaws a bit less, um, how do I say this? They, they kind of enhance the way they show love so that you ignore their flaws a bit more. And that's exactly what my partner at the time was doing. Um, and that's why it was so difficult to recognize any red flags that he had because I was focusing on all of this like affection and love that he was showing me. And it was, you know, overwhelming. And I just kind of fell in love with him. And that was, I thought that that's all you needed in a relationship was a lot of love. And that's obviously not true. There's so much more to a relationship than just that. Um, but I think when I started to notice red flags, it kind of popped up first as maybe hints of jealousy here and there. Um, if I would go out, like I said, this was the senior year of undergrad for me. So we were all having a good time. We were about to graduate. If I was going out to a party or if I was going out to a bar to get drinks, he would kind of insinuate that he wasn't too happy or he would ask me about everyone that was going to that bar. Um, and if I have a very diverse friend group, I have a lot of friends that are guys and girls, we're all very close. And so whenever another guy's name came up multiple times, he would start to be a little wary about that person. And he would start to kind of get a little defensive and jealous whenever I would bring up that I was hanging out with them. Um, and that just started to get more and more pervasive throughout our relationship, that jealousy. And it kind of started with him being a little jealous about my friends. And it went to him a few months down the line saying, I'm not okay with you having guy friends at all, because all guy friends are trying to do something to you or get something out of you. They're not actually friends with you. Um, and all of this escalated so slowly that it was hard for me to realize that this was abuse. I normally, when people think of abusive relationships, they think of physical harm. They think of one incident where that person kind of just explodes and all of a sudden a normal relationship becomes an abusive relationship, but that's usually not the case. A lot of times relationships start off normal they start off fine and these orange flags start to pop up and you don't re necessarily realize that they're red flags but because they're not fully formed yet they're not fully red and by the time they are red you're in so deep you have been with that person for so long and you feel so trapped that it's hard to get out and unfortunately that's what happened to me what started off is just a little hint of jealousy here and there became controlling who I saw, who I was friends with, what I wore. There was a point I remember in the middle of the summer, I think it was June or July when 
I couldn't step out in anything other than a sweatshirt and sweatpants. And I was living in DC at the time and DC in July is horribly humid, extremely hot. And I was wearing something that covered my entire body because my boyfriend just wasn't comfortable with me showing any skin. Um, and obviously all of these things, while they're not physical abuse, they are very much so emotionally abusive. And I was also living with him at the time, which meant that I didn't have a chance to escape. I didn't have a chance to really be myself. And this was also during the COVID lockdown. And if you've read some of the stats regarding domestic violence during COVID, it increased across the board everywhere. And that's because people didn't really have an escape. Everything was stay-at-home orders. Everyone was indoors all the time. They were stuck with the person or the people they were living with. And unfortunately, that's what I was going through. I was stuck with this person who was policing everything about me. And he had also just lost his job at that point. So I became the primary breadwinner, which also was very difficult for him. The fact that he, he, I remember him saying that it was emasculating and that always bothered me. So I tried to give him more control over, you know, what we spend our money on, what we do with it. And eventually that became, that turned into controlling how I spend my money what I use it for and him taking almost complete control over my finances. So now we're not only at emotional abuse, we're also at financial abuse. And that following summer, so a year later, after all of this had already kind of developed, that's when I had the first incident of physical abuse. And even then I remember thinking, this is just a one-time thing. He's not going to do it again. He's just going through a tough time because he lost his job. It's, we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's hard to find other jobs. I mean, these are crazy times that we're living through. And so I just kept on making excuses for him. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I remember thinking when he hurt me physically for the first time was that physical abuse is only punching and and slapping um, because that's what I had seen in movies and TV shows and read online, but he strangled me. And this is kind of hard to talk talk about, but at the time I didn't think that strangulation was physical abuse because that's just not what I had been used to seeing. And I mean, if, anyone is going through this, I hope to God that you are able to get out of the situation, but I hope that people do understand that strangulation is 100% absolutely physical abuse. And in fact, it can be just as dangerous, if not even more dangerous, just because when someone strangles you, there's a very good chance that you could stop breathing. And when you don't breathe, that's affecting your brain and your oxygen levels, and it could very nearly kill you. And when he was doing that to me, I remember my brain getting foggy right before he let go. And I didn't 
it still kind of hasn't sunk in to me to this day how close I may have been to actually passing out when he did that. And that's such a scary thing to think about. Um, but I just wish that at that time, I wasn't so stuck on what I had thought was physical abuse. I wish I had just done a quick Google search, but of course I, I didn't feel safe in my home mm -hmm. searching up those things because we use the same laptop and, you know, living with someone who's not treating you well, who's abusive is very difficult because it's hard to get access resources. It's hard to call and get help. And especially since this was in the middle of a pandemic, we were stuck inside 24 seven. It's not like I would go to work and on the way home, I could call someone and ask for help. I literally just did not have an escape. And I wasn't close with my family at this time. Mm -hmm. He had isolated me from all of my friends. So none of my friends knew what was going on. My family, I couldn't really turn to them because like I said, we weren't close. So it was literally just me and him and him having complete power and control over me and doing these terrible things. And I felt like I was drowning. Um, and it did was you, just very, very difficult. Did you feel like just going back um, when you were kind of going through the emotional abuse and like the story where you shared where you couldn't even wear what you wanted to wear, you had to wear what what he had asked you to um, did you feel at that point in time, like, what were some of the thoughts that were going in? And did you feel at that point in time, like, okay, I'm not happy. I want to leave this relationship because I know a lot of people that are in relationships that might not go through, you know, the physical abuse, but maybe emotional mm -hmm. abuse or maybe some other abuse, but it's like mentally, we're just making these excuses like, oh, maybe like, it's okay. Like we make excuses for our partners to say, okay, that's okay. I'll just sacrifice this. I'll just do this. Like every relationship has its own um, ups and downs. And like, I'll just compromise here. Like, were those some of the things that were was going through you? And like, what, um, what were some of the thoughts, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every single thing that he did that was abusive, I had excused or um, kind of deflected at one point or another and even the physical abuse but I mean even with the emotional abuse he gaslighted me so much that I started thinking that all of these things were okay so I remember I wore a skirt um, that wasn't even that short but even if it was I mean like who cares but mm -hmm. I remember I was wearing that skirt and he would say things like well, who are you dressing for? And I would say, I'm dressing for myself. And he would then say, no, you're not dressing for yourself. When you're dressing like that, you're dressing for other people that are gonna compliment you and say that you look good. So you're dressing for those other people and half of those other people are guys. And so basically when you're dressing like that, you're asking for all of these guys to look at you and maybe not to your face, but in their head, compliment you and say that you look good. And if you're in a relationship and you crave that, that's cheating. Mm -hmm. And so he injected that ideology inside me so much that mm -hmm. I started to believe it was true. Yeah. And so when I was wearing, you know, a full tracksuit in the middle of the summer, 
I was kind of okay with it because I was like, if I were anything other than this, I'm cheating. And that is so far from the truth, but that's what I was thinking at that time. Yeah. And you were trying to be as faithful as possible because you still wanted to be in this relationship. And so, um, I'm really happy that you share that because I feel like people that are going through relationships, um, that, like you said, there's orange flags that come up or, you know, maybe they're just little, Mm -hmm. little things that come up. And it's like, we, especially as women, I feel like we are taught, um, growing up that, you know, you have to compromise, you have to sacrifice, like you have to just like, listen to your partner. And, um, we sometimes see our moms do this, or we saw our grandmothers do this and it's, it becomes this sort of, um, systematic um, ideology in our head that we have to break this belief that we have to break and and understand the difference between like compromising and sacrificing in a relationship that's mutually mutually respectful versus a relationship where you are only being uh, controlled like the one that you were in and you know where you are actually being abused on a on a continuous basis right absolutely and it is, you know, growing up in a South Asian household, you know, I was taught to dress conservatively and, you know, be a bit more submissive. So those all played into this relationship. And unfortunately, that made it all the more difficult to get to get out of. And I remember the first time when I kind of realized that something wasn't right was when I visited home. And I realized that I was wearing things at home that he would never let me wear when I was with him. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> My parents, you know, are very conservative. Yeah. They dress very conservatively. And I was like, I can dress more freely at home with my immigrant parents than I can around him. And I was like, that's what am I doing? Like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that those realizations, um, when they come to us, it starts to open up, open up um, another door another, another wave of thinking. And especially since you were in this relationship for a very long time, I think the other thing I'll like to mention, um, I was also in a relationship where it wasn't physically abusive, but there was a lot of emotional abuse in it. And you're in, when you're, when you're in a really, thank you. When you're in a relationship for that long, um like it's like your mind has just taken over new thoughts new ideology new ways of believing things that it like to other people it's like why are you in this relationship I remember my friends would always tell me oh my goodness yeah for me I was like everything's fine I don't know what you guys are talking about and I would purposely not talk to my friends because I felt like they didn't care about my happiness with this person and so um it's different when you're in it and when you're actually observing it, like when you're in it, you actually don't see anything that's wrong because you're trying to make it like, you're just trying to just be in this relationship and see that it works out. Right. Exactly. Um, And, you know, you, a lot of people say that when you're in a relationship, you have these rose colored glasses on and that's exactly Mm -hmm. what I had on. And, you know, now when I look back and think about this relationship, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. but sometimes I'm just like, how, how did I believe those things? Because 
what I believe now is the exact opposite of that. I mean, it's crazy how much your value system changes when you're with the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah. I mean, you were able to get out of it thankfully and able to heal. And so um, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about how you were able to get out, how you healed and um, any other tips that you have for our guests. Yeah, I mean, I got very, very lucky. Um, I lived in Arlington, Virginia at the time, and Arlington has a great support system for people who are going through domestic violence and sexual assault. I actually first um, called the National Domestic Violence Hotline when I had some time alone. And to anyone who's also going through this, I mean, they are an amazing resource because they looked into my location, they looked into local support groups and um, organizations that could help me, and they gave me the number to one of those organizations, which um, was called Doorways, and I, they were able to provide me with um, a place to stay, so I think one day when my partner at the time went out for groceries, I packed up all of my things that I needed. I put them in my car and I went to that shelter um, and I, I stayed there. I stayed there for almost um, for three months, almost. And during that time, you know, they had Wi-Fi, they had everything so I could continue working. Um, Mm -hmm. At the time, I was also applying to med school, so my my partner would actively, whenever I was trying to finish my essays and my application, he would try to sabotage that and basically pick fights so that I wouldn't finish them because he didn't want me to go to med school. Um, but during that time when I was at Doorways at the safe house, I finished all my essays, I did my interviews from there, and you know they helped me so much. They gave me a place to stay food if I needed it, um, if I forgot to pack any clothing, um, any toiletries, every, they provided everything. And I, to this day, don't think that I would be here, <laughs> um, maybe not even be alive if it wasn't for them. Um, and I kind of reached a point where I finally told one of my friends, a couple of my friends, two of them actually what was going on. And one of them sent me money um, and granted she's also in med school. So for her to send me money, um, I get emotional just thinking about it. She gave me money that she didn't have basically. So I could get out of that situation. And, um, and another one of my friends, whenever, you know, prior to getting into the safe house, if I ever had a really difficult weekend where my partner at the time was hurting me, she told me to just drive down and stay at her place. Um, and so, you know, the two of them helped me out so, so much. And I, I'm just so grateful that I did reach out because if I hadn't, I just don't know where I would have been. So, I mean, the safe house, reaching out to friends and continued therapy. I'm in therapy today, um, several years down the line because healing is not linear and it takes a very long time. Um, but being consistent with therapy has 
gotten me so much further than if I were to do all of this on my own. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, um, you know, just taking that first step of going to the shelter and actually applying to med school probably gave you immense confidence in yourself um, and helps you kind of like spread your wings, right? I think when you are in a relationship where um, it's so abusive and you've been controlled, like every aspect of your life has been controlled, when you actually just get that little bit of breathing room, it feels so empowerful um, within yourself. Like you feel so powerful that you could actually do anything. And it takes a lot of courage to just leave because, you know, there's a lot of fear around it as well, right? Like leaving, like, oh, well, what if he finds me? What if, what if he does something to my family? Like, it's not just about you, but it's about your friends, your family, everybody that he might know, um, or your, or your partner might know, um, that you're afraid of it's it's not just your life right exactly I mean he knew where my parents lived he had met some of my friends before I mean my friends to this day are terrified of him as they should be um and you know leaving comes with so many things I mean this is someone who put his hands on me so I can't imagine what he would try to do if I if I left and there were several times when I tried to leave and I mean excuse my language but like shit went south really quickly I mean there were points where he would threaten to kill himself and you know threaten to kill me and all of these things make it so difficult to leave and I think there's a stat that says that it takes an average of six or seven times before someone can actually leave an abusive relationship. So they try to leave at least six or seven times before they're actually successful. Yeah. And and there's a lot of people that aren't successful and they stay or unfortunately um, their life is taken from them because they don't have a way to leave. And so um, right. what were some of the resources? I mean, I know you talked about the shelter, but what were some other resources um, maybe that you used um, while you were at the shelter or you know, even now, um, as you're still going through your, your journey? Yeah, um, I would say that definitely the National Domestic Violence Hotline, for me, at least, everyone's journey is different. But for me, that was step one, because they could identify my location and resources that I had in the area. Um, When I was going through this, there was also specifically an organization for South Asian women who were going through domestic violence. And at the time it was called Asha for Women, but I think they have changed their name to, I think it's Ashiana. I can definitely look it up, but um, at the time, if you Google Asha for Women, it'll show up um, with their new name, but they um, have like a completely South Asian um, uh, group of members that basically help you and having someone who is South Asian that can kind of pick up on those little cultural differences and nuances was very helpful for me um, because I felt more understood. Um, When I got into school, I um, signed up for counseling and at a lot of schools, there's free counseling that you can go to. So if you are currently in school, I highly, highly recommend utilizing that resource. Um, And I still go to my school appointed counselor every two weeks um, to kind of work through the trauma and everything. Um, 
So I would say that the domestic violence hotline, ASHA for women, if you're South Asian and any school counselors that you have. And for me right now, what I really, um, what really helps me is just going onto Reddit. Um, and there's obviously a lot of subreddits, but there's one specifically for intimate partner violence and reading stories of how other people have gotten out, how other people have healed from their trauma and their PTSD has given me the inspiration, the motivation, and the hope that one day, finally, I'll be able to say that the past is in the past. All of this is behind me and it doesn't affect me anymore. So right now that has kind of been my go-to. Yeah. And I mean, you sharing your story with others is also just an inspiration to them. I feel the more we share our stories and share our experiences through life, especially on these topics that are a little bit more quote unquote taboo, especially within the South Asian community. Um, we are actually just getting more and more connected and, and becoming stronger. And it's like when we can be vulnerable and share our stories and help each other out, that's when we're actually living our true purpose. And so I really, really thank you so much for joining. Are there any final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners today? Um, just... I hope that all of you realize that you deserve a happy, healthy, and safe relationship. Um, and if you're in something, anything other than that, you absolutely are worth more than that and you deserve much more than that. So, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and I look forward to having our next guest in a few weeks on another topic. With that, we'll end today. Peace, love, and light. Namaste. Thank you. Hey, beautiful soul. So let me know if this sounds like you. You've been on social media, scrolling around, and looking for tips and tricks on how to live a more abundant, more joyful life filled with love, ease, and flow. And you are following multitudes of um, spiritual teachers, spiritual coaches, spiritual healers, maybe even mindfulness coaches, um, coaches that talk about manifestation. And, you know, you're, you're on YouTube every now and then looking at videos or searching for meditations and you Google certain things. And then you're part of Facebook groups where they talk about certain things along the lines of manifestation and spirituality and living a life of abundance and creating your own reality, quantum leaps, all of these things, right? And it can be very overwhelming. Trust me, I've been there. I have spent so much time and energy on searching for the right things that work for me. And sometimes it can be over overwhelming and also contradicting. Sometimes there's information out there that is just not true and people can say things that are contradict somebody else and then you're kind of like confused because you don't have the guidance and the clarity to move forward on what it is that you want to do but you are absolutely certain that you want to live life that is different from right now you might be living a life that's filled with anxiety stress maybe depression maybe you're always in despair maybe you're in the resistance of actually allowing the abundance to come into your life and you just don't know how to switch things off 
But on social media, you can see other people that are doing exactly what you want. You can see them having a life that was filled with distress and going to a life that's filled with more peace, more flow, more abundance, and more love. Well, this is how, why and how I created Divine Souls Membership. So I created Divine Souls Membership Program for you to have one platform, one place, one portal with everything that you need to help you on your journey to that life filled with abundance, love, and joy. And the idea is that in this one place, you have everything that you need. You'll have meditations, you'll have journal prompts, you'll have affirmations, you'll have, you know, teachings and videos from me. I'll, I'll be doing workshops that you'll be part of. The membership program has four tiers and each tier is a little bit more advanced depending on where you are in your journey. And I'm going to leave all of the information in the description of this podcast episode. The best way you can find out more about Divine Souls membership and sign up is my website, which is www.innerserenitylifecoaching.com. That's www.innerserenitylifecoaching.com. And once you go to my website, there's going to be a pop-up that says enroll into Divine Souls membership. That's going to take you to a page that gives you all of the information about the membership program, the tiers, the pricing, and everything. And if you still have more questions, you're you're always welcome. And I'm absolutely excited to talk to you more about this program. Please reach out to me. Please email me or, you know, on if you find me on social media, you follow me on social media, DM me, and we can talk more about this program so I can find and maybe hopefully guide you to the to the right tier that might work for you. So if you are absolutely ready to do this, then I'm absolutely excited to welcome you into the Define Souls membership program. I'm excited to um, welcome you into the community of Divine Souls where we can all help each other, uplift each other, and create this new earth, this world that's filled with more abundance, more joy, and more love, and we can support each other in this journey. I hope to see you there and have a beautiful, beautiful day. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. I'm your host, Irvi Shah. If you liked today's episode, please leave a comment and a review. That would be greatly appreciated. And please follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I'll leave my link for Instagram and Facebook in the details below. As always, peace, love, and light. Namaste.